Constructed Criticism is sponsored by Oasis Games. MTGOasis.com is the place to get cards for your next Magic event. Try them out with code CCMTG for 15% off of your first order, and use the code WouldThatBeGood for 4% off of every order. Want to support the show directly? Head on over to Patreon.com slash CCMTG to check out some awesome benefits and future goals for the show. Thanks for listening, and here's this week's episode of Constructed Criticism. Hello everyone and welcome to the Constructed Criticism Network. This network is here to help you improve in Magic the Gathering at every level. From popper leagues to top 1000 mythic, we've got you covered. If you want to hear the entire network, head on over to our sponsor at purentgeo.com where you can hear each and every show, each and every week, and check out their sponsor, MDGO Traders, and tell them that the CCMTG Network sent you. Now sit back, enjoy the show, from YouTube, podcasts, and more, here's this week's episode from ConstructedCriticism.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 393rd episode of Constructed Criticism. I am your full-to-the-brim-of-taco host, Mason, joined by my full-to-the-brim by sushi steak roll co-host, Spencer, and Abe, who loves to eat after the podcast, empty-bellied, clear-eyed, though, co-host Abe. Abe, how you doing? You're right. I haven't uh, haven't had dinner yet, so... We've been doing this now for... Oh, sorry, I, I also haven't had dinner. You had the roll, though. Is that not all you needed was your Wagyu steak, <laughs> shrimp, sour cream? <laughs> not sour cream. Cream cheese. <laughs> cream cheese. Listen sorry. to the, I had listen to the mic talker. check sorry. for the deep, deep cut. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to talk about how Mason was eating five-layer burrito <laughs> Gerber baby food. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not eat curvy. I did have a taco though, which was like pretty good. But it was so funny to see LSV tweeting about making bria for the first time. Burrito. Now, bria is like a taco that's like. Oh, I thought you meant no, burrito, and you just no. like bria is slurred no. your speech, and I was just gonna let I it fly. Was gonna say my the best bria <laughs> in Utah is actually my my brother's fiance's family uh, owns it and so like and that they i get it all the time so it was really funny to like see magic discover magic players discovering this food for the first time this week so they discovered capitalism like three weeks ago <laughs> anyway we are going to be talking about a really interesting and i think important topic that's setting realistic goals and i want to set realistic goals to get this podcast done in under four hours so with that we're going to move on to always improving it is the point of the show we want to be getting better spencer what was your always improving moment this week uh last week i was talking about how i was going to this 1k it ended up being about a 2k it was like 18 something in prizes after attendance uh pretty good size i think we ended up with 68 players or something around there it was fun i i got to play death shadow i did a twitter poll and asked people what i should play the options were uh, the deck i would pick which is amulet titan um the deck that i have played the most in this modern format or at least with abe <laughs> play the most in the last one uh in <laughs> hammer time uh grixis death shadow which is what mason told me to play and then i think that was it <laughs> You're whopping five matches yeah, deep on exactly. Hammer, and you're like, no, no, listeners, we, we I only recorded. We only Hammer, recorded two. Told me. We only recorded two matches, Mason. Yeah, I finished <laughs> up that league today, <laughs> actually, and uh, three oh six. Yeah, the let's go. I love Spencer, it. Just so you know, let's go. But it was, uh, it was honestly, uh, it was cool because I got to watch a lot of Grixis videos and like Grixis gameplay, and I played probably Hammer Time was actually the one that like legitimately I would have had the least experience with, like. I probably would have had the most with with Amulet Titan, and then I actually have played Grixis Death Shadow previous iterations. I think probably before Luris, definitely before Ragavan. That's for sure. 
So it was kind of cool to like. But you just you wouldn't have played during Lurus. You just haven't played. Yeah, Lurus exactly. Since Lurus came out. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just been forever for me. So it was it was interesting. I started uh, out two zero, but my always improving moment came a little bit differently this week, and it's a funny story. I don't think I've told the story to Mason yet. So uh, historically, there has been at least only one Magic player I know that got that lost multiple matches from a deck regger. His name is Matt Kling. It happened in an SCG. It's a long story. In round one of this tournament, I win game one. I uh, go to sideboard and call a judge. I say, judge, I need to look at my deck list, but I also need to pull up what my deck list should be on the internet. He goes, what? I go, just trust me. He hands me my deck list, and as he's doing it, I'm always like, I don't need to see my deck list. <laughs> he's like, because I already pulled this up. And I'm missing four thought seasons. There's not, they don't have the thought seasons in my deck. And he's like, okay. And this judge has no idea what to do for what it's worth. I was like, okay, can I talk to the the head judge, which is the store owner? I was like, hey, Jordan, just you know, I'm missing thought seasons for my deck. I need to game loss. And um, he goes, okay, like you can put the thought seasons in your deck. It's fine. Like, it, thank you for being honest. Like, I was like, okay, like there's not comp REL rules anymore really in Magic. So like, it's at judge's discretion for the most part now that there's not like a jar and stuff like that. But he did let me put the Thoughtseizes in my deck. A few rounds later, actually in the fifth round, uh, I come back to my table after using the restroom and I'm told that I'm receiving a game loss due to a deck red error because I also did not have extra... Uh, what's the name of the two-mana enchantment with Flash? Yeah, dress. I didn't have extra dress downs in my deck box. They were supposed to be in my main deck. And so I had to put two basic lands in my deck, but it didn't matter because I had then lost the match. And it's funny because I'm usually a pretty big stickler for like triple checking my deck list, making sure that my deck is sleeved, that I have it appropriate, writing on my cyborg guide. But I like really winged this 1K due to kind of how busy I was last week. And it kind of goes to remind me why preparation is important. One, I think it's hysterical uh, that I got these two game losses and didn't just count my deck list to find that I, it was wrong. And then received a game loss later in the tournament because I was, like, too lazy to do that. It was, like, an air, a comedy of errors in a lot of ways. But also, it just kind of reminded me of, like, how important that, like, prep time and, like, being meticulous is in Magic. Because it, it is. Like, it, it's so easy to take one shortcut and have it cost you. Uh, and in this case, it did cost me. Like, I, I lost out on, I think, about... Uh, not that much money. I think it was about 65 bucks. But, like, you know, that's... I had to pay about that to like even get the baubles and stuff that i needed for the tournament anyway so it would have it would have really made the let me free roll this tournament so attention to detail is always an important thing to 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 keep in mind and stuff and sometimes you get those unfortunate reminders i know i've gotten a bunch of like really dumb game losses and stuff for like registering the wrong fetch land splits and like dude the best you know, the, the best one i heard is us. that when matt kling they didn't want to give him his game loss on coverage when they were reading his deck list but they noticed it on camera versus ben stark so he then lost to Ben Stark naturally, and then they assessed him the game loss in the next round <laughs> at the SEG. That actually happened to me with uh, that happened to me with Supreme Verdict at, at yeah. uh, an SEG, where I uh, I forgot to write those down on my deck list, and then I had a camera match. They pulled the deck, was like, "Weird, there's not Supreme Verdict yeah. here." And then also it's 58 cards, so. Yeah. I wrote black cartouche once instead of cartouche <laughs> of I believe. Do you get away with that? Uh, oh, I almost did, but I got I got I got a game loss. I was able to keep my black Dude, cartouche. His was now. lightning. 
I tried real. I tried really Nats was, hard to get the Nottingham. Nats was that. lightning bolt in, <laughs> instead of lightning strike, and they said they actually would have let him get away with it if there wasn't a playable card that started with lightning in the format other than lightning. Yeah, Inside strike. Yeah, I argued that there's no confusion between black cartouche and anything else in the format. <laughs> there was <laughs> there was a well. crazy one that a friend of mine had, and this is I guess the last thing we can say on this topic. So I don't want to like just sit here telling stories, but. Uh, he was in the top eight of a classic at like a Baltimore Open, and he was playing blue red Phoenix, and he had like one blink of an eye in his deck. And when he wrote down his deck list, he wrote down into the Royal, which was not a card they had reprinted yet because it was before Zendikar Rising. And then the judges like they tanked on, they like went came together and was like, I mean, it's the only card it could possibly be, so we'll let you get away with the game loss in the top eight. That's berserk. Because <laughs> I like to live my dream. Speaking anyway. of berserk, did you uh, improve at Magic this week? So my always improving moment this week. Uh, was kind of interesting. So I, I played in a local tournament, and the at the tournament, um, I played against Esper Control round one, which was it was essentially uh, blue white control. Oh, sorry, it was blue white with a slight splash of black for some cards. But it doesn't really matter. What matters is is I led on Thoughtseize, and I'm playing Saga Jund in the tournament with like Elvish Reclaimer and stuff like that. Essentially, Zoomer Jund except Elvish Reclaimer instead of DRC. And my opponent has Counterspell, Counterspell, uh, Supreme Verdict, Teferi 3, uh, and two other lands. And they play like a Colonnade or something on turn one instead of go. I look at my hand, and I think the default reaction is to kind of take a card like maybe Counterspell just to kind of work through one or take Verdict because it's more higher impact. But I actually, with the way my hand was set up, I was actually going to be able to chain Sagas for a little while and not have to worry any if at all about Counterspell. And so I ended up taking the Teferi 3 because if my opponent drew a land, they could undo my Saga progress. And I actually needed, like, the two bodies to kind of pressure them enough so that if they do get to Supreme Verdict, I can, like, force them to Verdict with lands and then develop. Now, it turns out my opponent gets stuck on three lands for a while, and I, they lose. But when I won that game, they ended it with three counterspells in hand. And the always improving thing is kind of, like, the classic slow down and assess the actual game and what your hand is telling you to do versus um, kind of leaning on heuristics or kind of leaning on, like, what your gut instinct kind of tells you to do. And so I just kind of assessed the thing and was like, hey, I'm going to be able to just not worry about Counterspell for the whole match, so why am I taking a Counterspell? I can just very easily play around these things. And it was... A, it felt really good. felt really sick, you know, at the end of the match. Like, I know my opponent, they, like, told me, like, yeah, I had three Counterspells at the end there, and I literally never cast a spell. When they had mana up, they, they one turn went to like spreading see something, and that was like it. <laughs> and so it was super sick. But uh, that was the uh, always improving moment. Guys, slow down. It's happening, seeing it happen all the time. Watching a lot of Twitch streams, watching a lot of stuff. People going really fast. You don't have to go fast all the time. Take a minute. Yeah, make those decisions. Really important. Spencer, I wanted to ask you about this because you had not played modern, like we just mentioned, since Loras, which was a year and a half, almost two years ago now. Almost two years. How different was Modern playing a deck like Shadow? Do you have to find yourself slowing down a lot and thinking think through? Because the Shadow deck's also not a Stubbs deck anymore. It's pretty... Yeah, yeah, that's actually a good else. question. I was talking to uh, SEG Top 8, I think multi-time SEG Top 8 competitor, uh, Josh Wheaton, he's the manager of Oasis Games now, um, just kind of about the deck and about the format. Uh, our, for, our tournament, by the way, was won by um, Belcher, for what it's worth, um, in the hands of a guy named Morgan, a super awesome guy. Um, really, really... Yeah, it really helps out the Magic community and, like, promotes these these 1Ks, so shout out to him. 
So it was really cool to see him take it down. And he's like writing a tournament report. But I, w- I was kind of talking about like how different modern felt this time. Uh, and the main reason for that is like playing this deck really did feel like legacy in a lot of ways. Um, understanding kind of how to sequence your spells when all of your spells are so cheap. And then also understanding kind of what what are the important things in a matchup and fighting over those things because you don't have very long. It was a uh, very legacy esque is what I would say. Did you like it? I absolutely love. I, abs- I think I absolutely modern, loved like, I think it. Moder- I think, it, I think that look. this might be the best magic format I've ever played. Yeah, I think current modern is the best modern's been in my time of playing Magic. Seriously, so like I I came in during the end of Splinter Twin Birthing Pod, but I didn't really play this deck, so I don't have a sure. general reference. But in my time playing modern, this format I think has produced the most interesting and diverse and skill testing and skill rewarding and just fun decks that I I have seen in a format. Um, despite it being MH2, you could block. Uh, j- just, just to be clear, <laughs> I think that if you are new to me as a host on the show or new to like the history of CC, I think that we've often touted Legacy as the best format. And there are t- obviously times where that has not been true, where Legacy gets busted wide open and it's it's not true. But that comparison to like Legacy is like a historical Legacy context, where it's like the fact that like the what one drop I play, I had multiple times where like. It was actually a hard decision whether to play DCR or DRC or Ragavan on turn one. And, like, the fact that that is such a complex decision that both depends on my hand, what my what I think my opponent's playing, you know, whether they revealed, a, you know, a Lurus or a Yurion or, you know, what's the other... They have the other three-mana one that they're playing right now, too, in Modern. Yeah. Sure. Uh, no, is it that one? I thought it was... That's yeah. the one that I thought it was the... The, the, the element, element, yeah. One? Yeah, Kahira. Wait. Kahira's blue, I control and elementals. Okay, okay. Kahira, Kahira can be your companion if you have elementals, beasts, Got it. nightmares, Got it. dinosaurs, or it, Either way, there's there's uh, there's quite a few things that like happen before a game in Modern now. There's things that happen as you're mulliganing. Like, there's so many decision points, and it was really rewarding. You know, I, I one of the reasons that I think that it was so easy for me to start... 2-0 in this tournament without dropping a game outside of that first game that that map that that uh deck ranger was one uh having played a ton of amulet titan myself and playing amulet and on in game one uh, while that might already just be a good gracious you know death shadow matchup i think it probably is i mean it was much better when i had thought seasons in game three for what it's worth um but <laughs> uh but yeah. but like honestly like Imagine if he had dressed yeah, that as well. Crazy. <laughs> it, it just really would have gone all out. Uh, it's so crazy. Yeah. I know. It's <laughs> it's absolutely nuts. It was really funny, too, because like, when I got assessed the game loss and one, he's like, dude, were you flexing on me? Like, I was like, no, absolutely not. Because um, he, he knew who I was and like knew that I had I had won a 1K. Like, literally, the last 1K I played with Amulet Titan at this store I had won. So it was... He had like known who I was and stuff. It was funny, but I, and then round two playing against Joran, I I probably wouldn't have been able to do it without literally doing an entire podcast on the episode with Mason. So it, it was kind of like knowledge is rewarded in this format. It reminds me of Legacy. The sequencing is rewarded. The like the it, it is it is the type of magic that is really enjoyable for the entrenched. And I think that that I hope they never touch it again. Well. That's not true. And they never touch it for as long as it's like this. It's funny because, like, people are talking at the tournament about, like, you know, whether Bobble will be banned. I was like, I really hope not. Like, I 
I wouldn't touch Ragavan. I like I understand Ragavan's expensive, but like just send one to everyone that ever had a DCI as like an apology for the last three years instead. Like I I don't know. If I had to ban something, got to my head, I would just ban companions. But that's a me thing. I think that but would be totally totally. I gotta reasonable. say, yeah, because I think you get to keep a lot of the je ne sais quoi of the format while still. You know, doing it there. It's a real person. I don't actually think, uh, for what it's worth, (laughs) I don't actually think that Yorion or Luris add anything good to the format, in my opinion. So. Yeah, I think all Luris does is subsidize good decks. Yeah. Like decks that would already be really good. It's like, hey, you know, your deck is like really good. But I'm going to move on to Abe. But before I go, if you're a listener and you're thinking, like, dang, that's some interesting decision points there, DRC Monkey, like Spencer's talking about, imagine if you would for me. Blood Crypt, Fetchland, DRC Bobble, Ragavan, IOK. Where do you start? <laughs> How do you literally, <laughs> literally, you this like, was my opening oh. hand game one of this tournament for what it's worth. Do you bobble your, like, and if you have, like, a, a reactionary yeah, spell I, instead of one I of went, threats, do you, like, bobble yourself? I I went uh, Ragavan on turn one because I was in the dark for what it's worth. I don't so, know. I don't think that it's. If your opponent had no companion. What's that? Well, they were playing Amulet Titan. Your opponent had no companion. Oh, oh you no, 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 I didn't know, but they had no companion. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to Ragavan. Like, so th- this is an interesting thing I've been talking about recently, Spencer. I'm curious to hear what you say about this. I'm going to go to you, Ape, I promise. I don't think you're actually in the dark at that point. I think in current modern, if you think about it, you kind of know your opponent's on Murktide, Amulet, where some BS. So, if they don't yeah, have I was, no was going to say that too. I, like, you get so much information about, like, what third of the format they're playing based on. Yeah, so one of the things that I did think about doing for what it's worth was literally just DRC uh, and then bobbling them. But I decided that, like, I'd rather just get Ragavan on board. If they don't have a companion, like... The thing is, in in Utah, it definitely could have been burned. So that was one of the reasons that I almost thought about doing Inquisition first. But... Burn's got Lurus. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Most of the time, because of Hammer, the Mirror Match... And uh, Luris is kind of weird because all your hands are, are good. Every Luris hand, or a, a hand that's good against Luris is good against every Luris deck, except for maybe a heavy thoughts he's handing. Interesting. Him. That's like the one. We should do it. We should do a. It, we should do yeah. an episode on this. Yeah, we should. I, I think it's super. I, I think. I think. I think that this. we should do an episode on uh, on like things that happen, tur- like turn ones of modern. The episode. And then they'll be opinions. That sounds great. Abe. We'll, we'll die for the cause. Hey, boys, you're always moment. We're actually kind of going to get into this later in the episode when we get to, to the core, the meat of this one uh, about goals and stuff. But part of my of what I've been doing with my time uh, related to magic has been really doing a bunch of uh, like research and studying and reading material about just kind of how the sauce is made and, and really just learning more about like deck building theory and things where I feel like I can gain a lot of knowledge that I that I want to gain. And in part of that, I was having this discussion talking about Pioneer with um, my friend Evan and my friend Jonathan. Like, Evan had built this black-white humans deck with Luris for Pioneer that he'd kind of just brewed up um, from what was what was mulling about and played it in the challenge. And he top 16 the challenge. He was pretty happy with it. But he's talking about how he had these Thoughtseizes in his main deck, but he, like, mostly did it for the sideboard consideration, like, because it just gives him four slots because he probably wants it somewhere in there. But after the tournament, he felt like it might have just been better to start another one drop instead of the thought seasons because like the thought seasons just didn't perform in the way he wanted. And Jonathan chimed in and said something that I'd never really 
like thought about or uh, or a way of thinking about Thoughtseize that I hadn't thought about myself in a deck like this that I've kind of been chewing on and insights like this are really what I've been chewing on for, for this week that like your deck is trying to win with your opponent having cards in hand. A card like Thoughtseize gets a lot worse in game one because most of the time their deck isn't going to be built that you need to take something. Like in the sideboard games when they're going to have, you know, uh, Anger the Gods or, you know, uh, Supreme Verdicts or, or whatever it is, or if there's a bunch of combo decks, like Thoughtseize gets really good. But in the game ones, if people aren't prepared for what you're doing or, or you're trying to end the game with them, like not being able to spend all their resources, trading one for one like that is is just so much worse. And really just thinking about a card like Thoughtseize that, you know, I've cast a million times, I like, you know, kind of intuitively understood that that's how it worked, but putting it into words and thinking through things and learning, you know, just another perspective on that is really, uh, and on a bunch of other things in deck building too, like the, the discussion we've had gone much deeper than just Thoughtseize, but those kind of things really make you think about just how much you know and don't know, so. That's a good way to put a spin on how Thoughtseize works, I think, to kind of like shed light in a spot that you kind of already know but helps kind of like get you a better mental picture of like you know yeah how it all works that makes sense yeah like thinking about um like you know the hammer coaching session that i did with spencer there was a like a point where i was talking about why we don't play thought seasons in the main and now i have a much better explanation for why i don't like to do that and it's because like i don't expect my opponents in most of my game ones to actually be prepared to interact with what i'm doing in a meaningful way and i'm just going to like kill them while they still have multiple cards in hand so i don't need to thought seize my man is really tight i just want to develop my my plan a learning a good set of words to explain that to someone that makes it more clear or, or defines it in a better way because then when you can figure out those things and start porting it to other places and use that kind of evaluation uh, on on cards and stuff in your deck building i think it's a, a really good way to level up so well thank you all so much for that share that was a very interesting and fun always improving moment Let's move on to some housekeeping, though, before we get in to the main episode. Spencer, is there anything we need to announce, maybe? Maybe it's in dates, besides you and me going to the movies. Oh, man, uh, you'll have to wait till after what is probably getting worse by the minute here, fam, for those who don't know. I'm, I'm not feeling feeling my best. We got some, we've got a situation. But before we get into the dates, I want to quickly remind people that you can go on YouTube and comment on these podcasts. And when you do, you can win store credit to Oasis Games. We didn't get any comments on our last week's podcast. We did get a bunch of comments uh, on the Hammer Time coaching video. Um, and then also, was told I was told personally that they that by somebody that they thought that was literally the best coaching video of two people that they have ever watched. It was very kind. We appreciate the comments. They help us a bunch. Their feedback was actually super useful. Having, you know, the the structure of the video, having me ask Ape questions to start the video, like, hey, I played all these cards, I've never played this deck, let's talk about the cards so that I have some context going in. I think they actually stole this from Abe a little bit, but they said, like, you know, having somebody of Spencer's caliber being coached by somebody of Abe's caliber is just not something we get to see. It's, like, literally two players who are good at magic, but, like, one of them is super open to learning. And it was different than, like, when somebody who doesn't have the context like maybe they played none of these cards or only some of these cards and like don't have that context going in they thought abe was like really good at explaining and i just want to say like if you have that type of feedback leave, leave a comment you know <laughs> like leave it on the video let us know it's so helpful for us 
Um, and, and it means the world. Also, I just think Abe is, is beautiful, and that is the real reason that it was such a good video. I am the looker of the show. It's factual. So. There's no arguing. But you're not 6'2". Not single That's either. That's true. I'm also not single. So true, Bestie. <laughs> so true. But we do have a date for the quarter one Constructed Criticism Open, sponsored by Oasis Games. Uh, and that is February 26th, 2022, at 10 a.m. my time, which is noon Eastern. I tried to pick a time that all the American time zones could do. I know that for some countries that's a little bit harder, and I know we have listeners all over the world, but I wanted to try and like focus on, you know, the, our core audience as well as, you know, as as many time zones as they can hit. That's also like you know still one in the afternoon for some of our South American audience. I think I think it hits pretty well. Spencer just didn't want to get up earlier. Just tell the truth. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm, I, just joking. I'm happy if like people want to leave a comment and like let us know if they wanted earlier. Um, it's a little bit uh, late for me personally. Format is Alchemy, $10 entry fee. If you are a Diamond Level supporter or above, you get free entry into this, and you'll just need to work reach out to me. There wasn't a way to like do like a dual free entry plus, so just reach out to me and we'll we'll get you entered into there. Diamond, by the way, is for the Patreon. Go to Patreon.com/ccmtg, which is also $10. So if you're thinking of doing this, let's just keep it a buck. Let's keep it a stack. Why give an MTG melee the money? Give us the money. Get a little extra, a little more bang for I your agree. buck. See if I, you like it. And if you don't like it, hear about hear about it. this this Wagyu roll. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, exactly. You could have heard. Why, why why is Brad Nelson getting a piece of our milkshake? We drink Brad's milkshake. We drink it up. <laughs> <laughs> Next week on Wagyu milkshakes. No, I'm I'm really excited for this tournament. Uh, you know, please share it. Let people know about it. Uh, I did max it out at 128 people. I know that we've we've had I think more than that in previous CCMTG opens, but you know honestly I didn't want to sit there all day, and I you know as I'm gonna rope these two into doing top eight coverage, I really didn't want them to have to be there that late. Awesome, it's great. February twenty sixth. Sign up now. Go to CCMTG.com. You figure it all out there. Check out our Twitter page as well. But main topic of the show. So let's say realistic goals. Pretty realistic episode, I would say. No, this is a topic that uh, it's weird. Whoever had the topic talks the topic a little bit at the beginning. It hasn't been me at the beginning of them. So I'm having to figure it out here on the fly what I want to say. But this has been something I've thinking about a lot recently. And it's setting realistic goals and setting goals that are achievable and being honest with yourself about what you can and can't do. Because realistically, a lot of people set go- a lot a lot of goals, especially this time of the year. You know, we're we're past the point where we say Happy New Year's. We're in the double digits for January, so it's over. No more Happy New Year's. But it is the new year, and a lot of people set goals like going to the gym. They're going to do this thing. They're going to read a book every month, stuff like that. And they set a bunch of goals. And some people set goals that are really, really hard, but they have this kind of self-understanding that it's okay if I don't reach all the goals. I want to make some goals. But in Magic, I feel like this never happens. I feel like what happens in Magic is I know a lot of people who are working full-time jobs, who are doing other things. Like um, I'm thinking about a friend who is working a job, uh, is in a relationship and like has had a lot of crazy stuff going on in his life and he is playing these tournaments and he's getting really down on himself when he doesn't do well in like the prelims or the challenges and he like really beats himself up when he makes these mistakes and kind of makes me a little sad because it's like hey you're doing a lot of things in life there's a lot going on and this isn't kind of what your main goal is nor is this a goal you're kind of playing this for fun 
And so I think being realistic with yourself and what your goals are and stuff like that is better for you in Magic because A, it's more helpful for figuring out where you want to spend the time, right? Like for example, if your if your goals with Magic are just as a random one, I want to do well in the two Magic Fests I'm going to play this year. So like let's say Vegas and the one that's in your hometown, right? The SUG's running, and you want to have fun and explore new decks, then when you're playing Modo or whatever or local events, the first one's really easy to achieve. And the second one, you know when to really focus in and do your time. But when your goals are the same goals you had when you were, you know, going to college or not in a relationship or not doing these other things, you're really setting yourself back and you're shooting yourself in the foot and you're setting yourself up for failure. And it's fine to set big goals. We have to be realistic with yourself on what you can realistically do and working towards those. And so say we're going to be talking about that sort of thing, talking about kind of our goals and some of this stuff and kind of working through all of that. So I think it is important. I think if you have unrealistic goals for yourself in magic, you set yourself up to like, if you have a bad relationship with it, tilt off in the tournament and do worse, be unrealistic with your deck choices, do just a whole bunch of things that don't make sense because you're like, have this skewed vision of like what you're trying to do and what you're trying to achieve. When in reality, that's not the case, but you don't have that serious hard conversation with yourself about, hey, am I actually setting realistic goals and working towards things I can actually achieve? Yeah, I mean, I, I would actually love to jump off of like what you're saying because I feel like this year for me and what my goals are and what I've really been setting them as, it's really strange for me because I've spent a lot of time really like in the trenches, in the thick of it, even over the last couple of years as I was finishing college and, and with the pandemic and everything, I was still playing quite a bit and setting my sights on quite a bit. The first episode actually came on uh, and and I was on as a guest was an episode about setting goals. Um, and back then, I know I talked about when I set my goals for, you know, making the pro tour that at a certain point, um, you know, to, to leave my mark on magic and make it to the hall of fame. Like that was what I set my goals as years ago. But, you know, now as I'm at a very different point in my life, starting my career on the horizon, really having a lot less time, uh, not really feeling like going out and playing magic tournaments because of the pandemic is something that I'm going to be able to do as much, kind of focusing on how I'm going to, to make these reasonable um, expectations for myself has been something I've been, I've been grappling with a lot. And for me, what that is right now is uh, I want to... Uh, really invest in the, the time that I have into my own success when I know there's a tournament I can play that'll be good. I want to be able to win the tournaments that I'm showing up to. You know, if I choose to play a local 5K, 10K, there's an SCG I can go to. I want to focus on winning those. You know, like that's that's my goal, but a much bigger goal to me right now, and I kind of said this on the uh, on the New Year's episode, like what our, what our wish list is, is um, I want to, you know, focus on how I can give back to you know growing and keeping alive the the spirit of like the magic that i've loved for so long for uh for other people through content and through coaching and through you know a bunch of things that aren't necessarily about just playing matches and like learning about decks and winning winning them um because that's what i think that i'm going to have time for and what what i want to make sure i'm not i'm not like biting off more than i can chew when it comes comes to magic right now you know like i want I love this podcast and I want to keep doing it, of course, you know, and I'm going to keep doing it and bring, uh, my insights and, uh, and, you know, staying on top of magic enough to know what's going on and to help people. But, you know, as far as like making sure I can play a bunch of challenges, trying to like qualify for the mocks or even, you know, 
playing as many SCGs as I could have possibly gone to is stuff that's gone kind of down on my priorities. When the last goal I really set for myself in Magic was playing all of the Opens in 2019 and trying to like have my caliber of play be that of what I thought would be needed to make the Players' Championship. It's a big difference, but I don't think it, you know, it's just a different, I'm in a different place in my journey outside of Magic. And it's just about making sure that, for me, that, that my goals are aligned with that. You know, it's really important. And I think that I know a lot of people who constantly keep chasing that big aspirational goal when sometimes you do have to have to put it down for a second and take care of other things. So I hope that someone who's listening to this, who feels like they want to have that big dream goal, they want to be like, I'm going to, if there's an MPL where it's like, I want to shoot for rivals. I want to shoot for challengers, play, hit mythic every season. Like sometimes it's okay to admit you're not going to be able to do that. You know, that doesn't make you any less of anything with magic, you know? So I guess, I guess I just want to put that out there for that, for that reason, more so than, than anything else that like, you know, I'm taking a big step back as far as how much I'm playing, but I don't think that makes me any, you know, it doesn't make me any less of a spike and any less of someone who's like really trying their hardest when it comes to magic. So I agree. I think one of the really important and good things about magic that often doesn't get talked about enough, in my opinion, is that there are no bad goals, really. And magic is kind of this game that can be for everyone and tournaments breed losers, right? Like they, well, they churn losers out, right? It's what happens. Like almost everyone who plays the tournament loses. But part of what's so important with these things is setting goals for yourself because only one person does get to win. I think that so often players and people are like, oh, well, that's not a good goal. Like, let's just say, for example, your goal was to be top 16 on the NRG leaderboard, right? At the end of this year, right? The NRGs, there's like one a month. There's, well, there's technically two a month on the same weekend, right? And they're like, people would say they're like a smaller circuit or whatever, whatever. And it's like, okay, but like that's their goal for what they're trying to do and what they're trying to achieve. And their goal could simply be hitting Mythic every month. And that's still a good goal and hitting that goal and working towards something like that should be praised and not diminished. I think too often it's diminished. Earlier in the episode, I said realistic goals and setting these good goals for yourself. They're goals for you that you can achieve and you can work towards and you can set. And they can be like, more than you could bite off right now, quote unquote, right? Like it could be like, ah, I'm going to win four NRGs, right? Which is just like kind of hard for anyone to do. They're just big 300 person tournaments. But that doesn't make it a bad goal to set if you're doing things that help you reach that sort of goal. So I, I think what a big thing about this, and I was going to get into this a little earlier, is I think talking about what our goals are and kind of rehashing that from the New Year's thing uh, episode is super important because it kind of lets us talk about how we got to these goals where like we're going in these goals where we've been and kind of helps you if you're someone who's listening out there like hey i really think that that makes a lot of sense of setting realistic goals but like what does that mean exactly hearing us talk through our thought process that might be helpful for you and help you kind of reason there and we'll get more into that as the episode goes on as well but spencer do you want to set us off with kind of what your goals in magic are right now yeah i i will if you want to hear kind of like some of the the stuff that i talked about like the 1k stuff you know head on to the what we want for 2022 but my my number one magic goal is pretty different than usual because usually my number one magic goal is around my play and like achieving something that maybe i haven't achieved or challenging myself in a in a way that has to do with playing and while my goal involves that my number one magic goal right now is just to be it's kind of nebulous uh, i have a little bit of a less measurable goal um, i will be able to measure it because but I don't want to kind of talk about those measurements, but I want to be the best podcast producer um, for the show. Uh, I think that 
understanding like the things that going back to some of the really big things that I was doing before I had kids and like prioritizing kind of the podcast over some of the personal stuff, not like the family stuff, but like it is going to be pretty big for me. And I, I'd like to see CCMTG get back to where it was. I don't just mean in like a monetary standpoint, but like, you know, I, the more people are playing magic now than ever before. The numbers indicate that people play more constructed magic than any other type of magic other than, I guess you could say, EDH. And I'd like to reach those listeners and help them uh, get better at the game and win more packs, whether it's on Arena or in paper, and um, get this podcast into as many people's ears as possible. And doing that and being a good part of the show, understanding like what listeners want to hear, what they need to hear, and then also being able to speak to things. So like a good example of this is you know, modern is something that I hadn't done in like in a while. And so like when I, they announced that the, the one K was modern, I like literally was like, Hey, I can't miss this. Like I actually just have to play modern and watch modern videos and like be prepared for the next time we talk about modern on the show. Because honestly, like last time that I was sick and you guys talked about modern, like I was going to have to lean on you guys a lot. I, I had planned on playing leagues and got busy at work and wasn't able to. And so kind of looking at, magic from the perspective of the podcast and like not just spencer wants to win you know three thousand dollars playing one case this year or something like that is is a really different for me and this is one of those things where this episode it's funny where it's like it's a whole episode and i think it's important to talk about the whole thing but it could also just be one of those episodes that's like one part of a five-parter you know where we give you like five tricks they don't want you to know or whatever but i, I think that's a good example of like your goals are tuned for you, right? They don't have to be the same goals I have. They, don't have to be, they shouldn't be the same goals I have. They should be the same goals A have. They shouldn't be the same goals your best friend has. They should be goals that are tuned for you and what you are trying to do in Magic. And if you and your best friend are identical in that way, then sure. But most likely your goals are going to be pretty different and stuff like that. And so I think that's really great. Thank you for sharing that, Spencer. Uh, Abe, what are your, your goals? My personal goals right now are to to start a content hub for recording kind of this tournament reports. What I'm thinking of is like tournament reports of this lost era of magic content as we're kind of in the spot where there's no, there's really scarce, like sparse, like video coverage. You know, there's like Twitch VODs of people who do the backpack streams, but those aren't going to be around forever. And those are kind of really hard to, they don't give you a picture of the event really well. So um, I'm, I'm going to work on that, put, put together a blog for that, uh, probably start putting some of my, uh, some of my own money behind it to get people to actually be interested in, in writing again and keeping keeping that much alive. I want to become a better, like really work on things that I don't think I understand to the degree that I want to. Things like, you know, deck building philosophy or even just, you know, just spend more time doing things that aren't my strengths right now because I think that usually when I'm in a, a mode of wanting to win a lot, you gotta you gotta lean in a bit to what you're good at to make sure that when it comes time to play a tournament, you're performing with, with your best. You're putting your best foot forward, but you know, using this time as a as a way to uh, be able to focus on things that are not not solely like I want to make sure I'm playing the best deck and building it well for me. You know, not, not trying to focus on maximizing my match points or you know open points uh, or whatever. Not not trying to maximize my finishes, but you know, really just get more involved in parts of the process I'm, I'm weak at, you know, just explore more and more of what magic has, 
has to offer than than just winning. Uh, my my goals this year are probably the least tournament focused they've they've ever been. I'm not really like looking forward to playing a circuit. I'm not really trying to push myself to um, to play uh, a bunch of Magic Online unless I really decide it's something I want to do. If like if something I decide I want to start doing, but like right now I just I, I really want to focus on growing in the long term. Uh, things I'm bad at. I think it's also just a good year to like have your goals be less tournament focused in Magic, and have them be more focused around like, what can I do to improve? What can I do to stay sharp? What can I do to like? So like for example, I didn't say this, but like one of my goals is to post a trophy every week this year, whether it's on Arena or uh, MTGO. Like I want to just be able to like say okay like here's one of my like one of my trophies from this week and be able to talk about the deck that I post on Twitter for no other reason than just like it holds my it lets me hold myself accountable that I'm continuing to play magic and that I am continuing to like learn and adapt to many different formats which I have to do for to be a host on this podcast. It's like this 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 thing where like in order for Dave Abe to get better at deck building philosophy, he needs to read up on deck building philosophy. He needs to try it. He needs to adapt and like so there 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 are tournaments that come involved with these goals without it being about the tournaments. I think probably the most results focused I've ever been with my personal goals was when I was really focusing on like the first time I wanted to make it on the pro tour, or like you know for a long time I've been like I really wanted to top eight something major. All of the goals that I feel like I've met the best for myself and the ones that I've been the happiest with have been the ones where I really focused on my process and getting there. You know, finishing in the top 32 on the leaderboard in the 2019 season of the SDG Tour, that was like a culmination of my goal really being I want to, I have the opportunity to play all these events. I want to chain together my sponsorship benefits from uh, from the comic book store. That was like the goal I needed to meet. That was when I was like, I need to do this because that is what's going to make this happen for me. I'm going to keep it going. But also what I want to prove to myself I can do. Everything else above that that I achieve by focusing on my play and on my performance, that's all gravy to me. But but I was really just focusing on making sure I was showing up every week, putting in enough to make sure I was meeting the goals I set for myself in in my results uh, and in my in my performance, and letting the rest rest come. You know whatever was whatever came to me in in that was kind of you know those were big opportunities to grow and learn too. But a goal is a is a north star to kind of follow to me. Uh, and I think that's a, a good way for some people to think about it. That like, especially a lofty goal. Like, if I were to set my goal as the players' championship, it's really I just want to set sail towards the players' championship. You know, I want to I want to make sure I'm going in the right direction to get towards uh, towards something big like that, or like towards the MPL or, or something. It's about giving yourself the direction to go towards rather than uh, than always being like, if I didn't do this, if I didn't check the box, the goal didn't happen. You know, because it's. So many things are so much more incremental than that, magic included. This is kind of in the next part. Like in the past, I've had goals like, well, so I, I always had the, the the main goal, which is to be better than I was and improve on enough stuff from the last year, that like so to be better than I was last year, essentially, right? And so it's like a culmination of things, where every year, like it's a lot easier at the beginning than it is now than it will be in five years from now, right? That is a goal that escalates in severity or difficulty, I guess, as time goes on. There's all there's always stuff to work on and improve on, and so uh, it's not something that I think I'll ever really fail at as long as I stay invested in Magic. But I've, I've had goals like I want to play the Pro Tour, so like a sub goal of that is like I want to play every RPTQ. So I play every RPTQ at the time. That was my best shot at getting to the Pro Tour. Right? Was win a PPTQ, win an RPTQ, go to the Pro Tour, got close a bunch of times, missed whatever it happens. Right? But like that was like a goal, and our goal was like 
work on improving a play, work on different types of decks and stuff. So those have been all goals from the past. And one of, and we mentioned this in the, the past episode, of course, but one of my goals is to do well in the energy uh, circuit this year and playing all their events. Along with that, I want to play their their players' championship equivalent, I, the energy finals or whatever they call it. I don't actually know. It's going to be called Mason's Win at the end of the day. But, you know, like, whatever. Until we get to that point, we don't know what the name is. But, like, that's important to me. But another thing that's really important to me is something that I don't even know if Abel will remember it until I say it. But it's getting my resting rate up in Magic. And so a long time ago, when Abe and I first met, or, like, started hanging on Discord, there was the fabled tier list on Cornhub Live, which was the Discord we were in, which was uh, a point of contention. But it was interesting. You know, Magic players love to rank things, and ranking each other was an interesting thing. And on a lot of tier lists, Abe and I were right next to each other with, I think fairly, Abe higher than me uh, at the time. And a, a citing reason that Abe said... And a lot of people said was Abe's resting rate is better than yours. Like if you were to both take extended breaks, Abe would pick up the deck and play better than you quicker. And some part of that is like, you know, like he's played longer or whatever too, but like that's part of it. And true, just, just true at the time, but I don't want it to be true. I don't, I don't want my, <laughs> I don't want my resting rate to be worse than yours. Like, I, I have a competition inside me. I want my resting rate to be better than yours. And I've just been... One of the ways I've been working on that is I've just been playing way more Magic. I, I have historically... I play more Magic than most people who play Magic. But most people that I compete with and can challenge myself with and compare myself to and want to compete against, I am way less than them. So I'm definitely, like, over the line for the average person, under the line for the the pool i'm in and i have been working on that and just playing a lot of moto and just playing a lot of decks and playing a lot of moto was not giving it my all which has always been a thing that has been kind of interesting where it is hard for me to super tune in all the time when i play moto and uh making it so that sometimes i'm playing when i'm watching things like secession in the background stuff like that is me getting used to playing moto and doing it and making it a thing and just getting more and more reps and more and more time and doing that sort of thing, which is something I did with Arena a bunch, and I found it really helped me with Standard and doing it with Modern. And so one of my goals right now is I want my resting rate to be better than Abe's. Now, luckily, Abe's, you know, is taking a year off of the gym. He's doing some writing stuff or whatever. Who knows? He, he talked about me. Like, I wasn't listening. But, <laughs> no. but uh, you know, I, I, I want my resting rate to be better. I, I want to be better at that sort of thing. I want it to be where I don't have to be grinding all the time to pick things up as quickly that's an important one for me and i'm going to work towards doing that sort of goal i kind of mentioned it there at the end we kind of all laid out our goals you kind of know where we're coming from now it is funny though that spencer is like this is a great year to not be results oriented i'm like my two things are results oriented spencer it's really (laughs) i think it's really funny though mason um Mm -hmm. that you brought up the resting rate thing and that your motivation is that because a huge thing for me and when it comes like this deck building thing um, and really want to get better on that is almost the same motivation of looking at the people above me and, and like where where I felt I was on the spectrum of like really good magic players and where I needed to gain edge and where I thought I was lacking compared to some of these people. I've got to get better at understanding deck building and stuff. And so I, I just think it's really awesome that that's like both of us silently have chosen these things. And like are... <laughs> but you know it's good to know you're trying to chase me down. Uh, good luck, man. Oh, yeah. I'm a hard I'm a hard horse to catch, but yeah, for sure. Your head's down, and what you haven't noticed is I'm already past you, and I'm just kind of getting a little further ahead. Just it, That is funny that our, our two goals are kind of in that same sort of vein there. But I think that says something about, like, when you're setting goals, you know, when you find the inspiration for, like, how you want to improve or what it is you want to do, like, 
I don't expect myself to be like, oh, I'm going to spend a year and then I'm going to like be as good a deck builder uh, and like be as good at like tuning and everything as the people who I'm looking at and comparing myself to. But looking at what it is you want for yourself and like what the things you want to improve, like evaluating what those things are that you want to improve at. It's kind of like a, a healthy level of comparison to others as opposed to what can usually be an unhealthy, unhealthy thing. I do not advocate tier listing yourself in any way. <laughs> I want to make that clear. Uh, yeah, I think a fearless magic inventory is a better way to do that, which we have an episode on. You can check that out. I mean, I mentioned there at the beginning of that, but past goals and stuff like that and achieving them. And I think it's super important to talk about how you get towards your goals and how we sort of set down this path to reach our goals. How did y'all two come up with your idea to like kind of do the things you're talking about now or goals you've had in the past that you've mentioned here? Because like, I think mine's pretty easy. I'm feel like when we talk about this, like I'm playing tournaments, want to do well in tournaments, want to do better in magic, but your goals are much more like it's, there's more depth to them and more things to talk about. And I'm going to throw it to you first here, Spencer. How did you kind of get to the spot of figuring out like, this is where I want my goal to be? Yeah. So like last week on the show, I, I said that I wanted to be introduced as the producer and Mason was rude to me about it. So I decided to just become was... the best <laughs> magic producer. And then he couldn't be. Uh, no, uh, that's a joke. But in reality, like, I, I was thinking about, like, constructing. I mean, we're about to hit, like, 400 episodes, guys. I don't know if you know this. I have not ever dedicated more to anything in my whole entire life than I have dedicated to the show. After I got my first, like, real big boy job, I don't know how to explain it, but, like, you know, this, like, where where my chest hurts like level of stress from just the amount of money i'm dealing with the amount of things that like are on my plate like the number of people who get fired if i mess up i i definitely just let the foot off the gas here and i think that it was easy for me to kind of look at like okay this baby is not as hard as maxwell i am in a better place to do these things and do can i can i get us back to where we were and then can i also just figure out a process that improves the show that works for mason and abe and it was pretty easy for me in the past like you know my magic goals you know i remember when my goal was to win states i had conceded in the the sem the semifinals of a states tournament and my friends were making fun of me i was like i'm just gonna win states next year then and shut you guys up and like that's an insane goal like that should not be your goal uh for what it's worth but I just worked so hard at it. I had the time to play an inappropriate amount of magic, probably close to 80 hours a week at the time. Like just, just like refusing to sleep kind of stuff, working graves, sleeping like, you know, five hours a day. And I, I've been on both sides of the spectrum, right? Where, and then I've also had friends that have been on the spectrum of like, I'm going to, I'm going to play in every pro tour this year you know, I'm going to get silver. I'm going to, I'm going to shoot for gold and st just get hired by wizards. I think the thing that's like important and this year that was so different than years past is like, I really can just look and say, what, what is the most important thing to me in magic right now? You know what? On all honesty, like so many people set their goal to like make their first pro tour. And I had years where I set the goal to like make my first pro tour and I didn't hit it. I did. It wasn't my only goal in magic. But, you know, it, it definitely happened. And I think that when you look at magic and look at, like, setting realistic goals for yourself, Mason didn't say he was going to go win every NRG event. He didn't even say he was going to win a single one. He said that he was going to play in them all and that he was going to improve and do his best and improve at a measurable rate. 
And I think that for me, when I look at how at introspective goal setting, it comes from, okay, what are your responsibilities that you can't make sacrifices for? There's a podcast called Startup um, where I don't know if you guys have heard it, but it is by a guy that owns a company called Gimlet, uh, Gimlet Media. And the, 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 the first episode is called How to Pitch a Billionaire. And he's left the podcast, This American Life, and he's now recording himself starting a startup of podcasts, a podcast network. And in one of the episodes on the show, they talk about having kids. And he said something that kind of blew my mind. Um, and he said, having kids makes me worse at my job. It makes me a worse podcaster. It makes me a worse editor. It makes me a worse C CEO. But they're the thing that I'm not going to sacrifice. I like to lie to myself and say that it makes me better at multitasking, that it makes me better at managing my time. That's not true. I just have less time for those things. And so whoever you are, wherever you are, you need to sit down and say, what are the things that I can't sacrifice to make sure that I'm taking care of me and those that are important around me? And then what time do I have to dedicate to magic? And then you need to decide what those sacrifices are. The the whole like uh, written content thing is kind of kind of just a personal thing. I've really been spending a lot of time thinking about there's a lot of like big changes in my life. I'm, I'm going to be starting my first big boy job coming up soon here. Things are going to be like a lot different in my life in general. And I want to make sure that magic isn't occupying so much time on my plate or I'm, I'm setting goals for myself that have it occupying so much time on my plate that I become overwhelmed and like that the house of cards like crumbles you know when i think about what's important to me and what always had like you know has made magic as important to me as it as it has been and is and you know seeing how many people how many of my friends uh and how much even myself i care about you know i feel the loss of uh of having a lot of coverage and feel the loss of having you know just information and, and names being built up and people sharing their experiences in, in magic I think that that's really important to preserve as I think about when I've, when I've adjusted all these things, gone through all this change, and I know what my life looks like on the other side of it, I want there to be super sick tournament magic that I can play in all the time and that everyone's excited about. And I can come back to a scene that is just as awesome as the one that I'm leaving, you know, if not better. And if that means involving myself in keeping that fire alive for people, you know, at a time where people seem a lot less invested in a lot of things that before COVID they really were invested in and cared a lot about and, and seeing that fire reignite and kind of making sure the torch is passed from, you know, uh, my generation of players and like down to a new generation of players and giving them the opportunity to feel like magic is still super cool in a time where it's harder to feel that way than it was before. You know, we see like kids not able to go to pro tours they qualify for online or even play the mocks because of legal issues whereas before there were workarounds involving like the events being in person um just a lot of opportunity is not the way it was and so if i can do something to make 10 or 15 more people care that much more about magic think it's a cool thing to do and stick with it uh through a time where you know the pandemic restrictions are able to be eased safely and tournaments can start coming back to a scale that they were before if I want that to be as cool as it is, that's the part I think I can do. And that's really where I came into this idea is, uh, is making sure that I can uh, keep magic or do what I can to keep magic what I want it to be for when, you know, I'm on the other side of, of, uh, of the bridge I'm crossing uh, in my life. So 
let's kind of just talk about <laughs> the, the phrase realistic goals, because I think this was said at the beginning is also the part that's probably the most contentious or hardest part to look at when doing this. And I think it's impossible for us to tell you what a realistic goal is for you. Like if we could sit down and talk with you, we could have a conversation, we could come to something, but ultimately it comes down to you being honest with yourself, being honest about what you can do and what your time commitments are and what is sort of possible with those constraints. And it's a thing where magic takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And just even the act of playing the tournaments is something that takes, you know, typically for the bigger ones, a whole weekend, which is a hard thing to give up at, you know, any point in life, but especially if, you know, you're busy in college or you're in a relationship or like you're busy in college in a relationship while working a job, you know, like all those sort of things, it kind of piles up and it becomes really hard to do that sort of stuff. So set realistic goals. And like I said at the beginning of the episode, the realistic goal might be, you know, I'm going to focus really hard on these few individual events and everything else along the way between those events to help prepare me for those events and for future things to keep myself sharpish in magic. So I think it's very important to kind of set realistic goals and kind of know where you're going towards uh, those sort of things. And that's something you have to ask yourself internally, I think. There's like a couple of different ways to to set the goals you want. You can set them kind of like, I'm someone who likes to set really big goals and understand that I might not achieve my entire vision, but I'm going in the right direction. But, you know, there are people who want to set small goals and just focus on focus on checking the box. And that's great, too. You know what kind of person you are when it comes to that, what, what it is you're looking for. But I would always say that when it comes to the goal that you decide to set yourself on, make sure it's one where you're okay with falling short but trying your hardest. And if, if that's the case, I think your goal is really realistic. I think that's like a really good rule of thumb is that like if you're willing to commit yourself to it, fall short and still be happy about what you've done, then that's a realistic goal. You know, it's not going to it's not going to upend your life. You're not going to be over invested. You're not going to burn out. You're going to put yourself in a place to succeed in that goal and really be able to commit yourself to it. And then making sure it's something that, you know, is achievable in some percentage of the time too, like. Because really, you set the goals that you have things to aspire towards and and be happy with. So as long as you don't lose sight of that and make sure that it's something that can fit, I think that's, for me, that's like what makes a a really realistic goal. Oh, man, we're going to get real serious because we're going to, I'm going to maybe upset some people. And I'm sorry if this upsets you. But I think that there's a huge problem in Magic. And I, I have had this problem myself where you do well at some event. Like for me, I... You know, I top eight states. The next year, I won states. I top eight my first constructor PTQ in Utah, and like immediately thought that I was just ready to like conquer the world, go to the pro tour. And like, I think more often what's true is that like in a game like Magic, is that you hit some variance in in some area. You're not playing against the level of competition you think you are. We had a we had a, a player at the 1K who was playing against his opponent. Was like, what's it like to be the best player in Utah to this person that uh, literally I had never seen in my life. And it was so interesting. And I think that this happens a lot. Like smash is like a really good example of where this happens. We're like, you'll play with your local friend group. You'll crush them. Right. Maybe you'll even start playing your locals and you'll start crushing them. And then you just like go to a major smash event and you literally can't win even smaller than that like you go to you're crushing your friends you just go to your first local and can't win a game and it magic hides that really well 
from you guys, from from you the listener from me from Abe from Mason like uh we we once did this thing uh in Utah where like I was gonna put uh, where I actually got the idea from Hain where I was like okay everybody send me your top ten Utah Magic players and I will get, create a point system or maybe it was top fifteen or something I'll create a point system we'll make a list of like the power rankings of Utah and so many people who had never done anything. Like, never top eight in the PTQ. Like, put themselves there. And it's like, that's really cool that you have that kind of confidence in yourself. But, like, maybe tone it back. Like, maybe roll it back and figure out, like, where am I actually at? Because you cannot set a realistic goal in Magic if you are not being honest. And you can't use just results to find out where you're at in Magic. It's just, that's just not how it works. We're not, we're not in a, we're not in a game where that's how it works. You have to literally talk to people that are better than you and have them help you understand where you're at and what you need to work on. That's why episode 13 of the show with John Finkel was literally the most important thing he said in Magic is to surround yourself with better people. And John Finkel is saying this. Like, I, I, I can't express enough that you can't have a realistic goal if you don't know where you're at. And you're probably not where you think you are. You know, earlier in the podcast, I mentioned how magic churns out losers, right? Like, when you go to a tournament, what does the tournament produce? One winner and the rest are losers. But the other thing that magic does that I didn't mention is that magic might churn, like, tournaments might churn out losers, but they breed people who are resilient. And I think it's really good to look at things in a big picture term and think about the long term, what you can be doing to improve. And, you know, I mentioned how I can't set a realistic goal for you. Abe gave you an outline. I'll give you one from me. If your goal is to be better than you were at the last tournament, you will improve over time. You won't always reach that goal, especially at first. You won't even reach it later on. But if you try to always improve, figure out something to get better at, figure up some nugget, uh, that's really good. And I think you need to be honest with yourself about where you're at, where your skill-wise is at, and be honest about it all, kind of, and what you can commit to magic what you're capable of committing and that that can mean financially it can mean time wise it can mean a lot of different things you just have to have those honest conversations but i think if you do have those honest conversations and you do do these sort of things and you set reasonable goals realistic goals that you can work towards and achieve or get really close to achieving maybe a little bit more than you can chew off i think you'll improve you'll have more fun with magic because you won't be dreading and hating yourself for not winning every tournament you go to or not top eighting every tournament, which is just a you know probably not a good goal for ninety nine point nine percent of people. And it's not a good goal for anybody. Like, it's just not. Well, have you seen how handsome I am? Anyways, uh, <laughs> checkmate, atheist. You know, I one hundred percent agree with you, Mason. And I was about to say that I think one of the biggest denominators among people who I've gotten along with magic and really have had a lot of respect for and learned a lot from is an amount of humility, which really plays into what you're saying, Mason, and what you were saying, Spencer, is that having the ability to humble yourself and understand that you are probably not, even if you're on a hot streak, you're probably not that good. You're probably not as good as your win rate looks right now. Even, you know, you could win back-to-back events at your local thing and still, you know, miss top eight of the next five, you know, but that doesn't take away from what you did. Or, um, you know, anything. It's really about being able to be humble, be aware of yourself, and, you know, just focus on on the things you can do to improve. And that's, like, a huge common denominator. And it's why Magic players are so awesome to hang out with when they really get that. And also why, you know, sometimes I think we can all think of at least someone we've met who 
who's not that awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, who's not that awesome and uh, doesn't really have that same kind of evaluation of themselves that you have of them or the people around you have of them. You know, if you're setting goals for yourself, it's really important to to do that because otherwise you're going to Yeah, and I think we're talking about goal. two different things too here, right? You've got to set goals that are realistic for where you are at in magic, in gameplay, in your knowledge of the game, but you've also got to set goals that are realistic of where you're at in life, right? Myself included, I've fallen into the trap a few times. A lot of people who aren't where they think they are at in life also aren't where they think they are at in magic. That takes some honesty, to be honest. <laughs> like, you have you have to sit down and say, where am I at in life? Like, what can I... I, I had a player who was playing a bunch of SCGs a few years ago reach out and ask for me for money so that he could go to some SCGs. And I was just like, this is crazy, dude. Like, if you don't have the money to be going to these, like, you're paying for a hotel, you're paying for this, like, this, you shouldn't be doing this. And it's, well, I set this goal to do this thing. It's like, okay, it's now time to, like, take stock of your life and ask yourself if you should be, if this should be your goal anymore. And you have to align where you were at in life and where you're at in magic to create a realistic goal. It won't happen otherwise yeah there has to be a real harmony there i think i think you put it perfectly honestly that that is when you're setting a realistic goal for yourself both parts have to be true and uh, and making sure that's the case is is usually the hardest part you know it's you can't all be six two and single man like some of us have other things we got to be doing six two single best magic yeah. player on the podcast super humble super cute you know spencer agrees so you could tell there <laughs> but, uh, I, I think that while today's topic is something that kind of asks a lot of you and asks you to listen and kind of think critically and look inward and ask these sort of questions uh it might not be as on the front educational as maybe an episode would be about like turn ones of modern or modern breaking like that i think it'll do more for you and if you put in the work here like if you, we were your physical trainer at the gym you have to do the work when you leave here and you're gonna get some real gains out of it so i hope you all do that's gonna do it for this week's main episode if you want to support the show you can go to patreon.com slash ccmtg from a patron of the show the show will always be free but a cool little benefit is you get to hear the pre-show for the thing. We do a mic check to make sure the audio is good. We normally talk about something like this time we talk about food. We talked a little bit about The Witcher. Sometimes we talk about – this time we actually talk about magic as well. It's a little bit of a longer one than normal. Uh, but, you know, different little things. You can check that out if you want a little bit more action. You also get to ask questions on the show. This week's question is, uh, on the play in the dark with stock Grixis Shadow, do you play Ragavan or Thoughtseize on turn one? Um, and so that, that's all we kind of hand for this hand, but we can assume, you know, kind of a general – three-ish lands let's say you know you got some other things that you can do like maybe a shadow or an expressive iteration you know or maybe you know a second dragon and a second thoughts as well for the sake of running the handout and i think it's a really interesting question because we mentioned at the beginning of this episode which i didn't even think about how it relates to here we're probably not as in the dark as it seems when we're looking at this at the start right if our opponent has not revealed a companion my first guesses are Amulet Titan and Murktide Regent, for they are the best decks that don't play a companion. And with that being the case, I would lead on Ragavan, uh, turn one. Oh, so your your argument is that you're not in the dark because they haven't revealed a companion. Yeah, and, and if they reveal Lurus, my hands, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I would lead on Thoughtseize, for example. Yeah, I'm going to roll back a little bit before that and just talk about, like, basics of magic here. 
and then we can go into more format specific stuff which i think the question is really asking if we look at modern like as a baseline i think that turn one has become a really important turn for a lot of different decks um and that's historically been true you know whether it was in the time of vials whether it was in the time of noble hierarchs and because of that and because of the dash ability of ragavan and because of the treasure that it makes that gets you your you it back i would tend to lead on Thoughtseize in the dark even with a ragavan uh you are on the play which makes you want to play ragavan first um but i think that protecting your ragavan and also making sure that you're not gonna like quickly fall behind here in the dark is base level where you would start at now after that i think you get into the specifics of the format with with companions uh, and it might change your opinion as far as like what has been revealed before the game starts while that might have been true i think that's less true now in mh2 modern i don't want you to step on my toes here with my answer because i'm going to get into what i think you're about to say mason yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. which is that so like leaving aside all of the like are you in the dark which one do you play letting that influence it i would lean towards playing ragavan because of the fact that ragavan is so potent that um so like if i think about what i'm doing with ragavan and what i'm doing with thoughtseize uh, when I'm casting Thoughtseize, there's a huge percentage of the time where my best Thoughtseize is just going to be to time walk my opponent's development. The Ragavan either says that the next turn when I cast Thoughtseize, I'm going to time walk my opponent's development with my Ragavan in play, or they're going to like have to spend their turn playing a blocker, which I might have a removal spell for. It really depends on the rest of the contents of my hand. Like If they just play their own creature and then I can kill it and attack, then the Ragavan is giving me another turn's worth of value in mana to cast the Thoughtseize even, or to, or to like, develop myself even further. Or I use my Thoughtseize, like, on top of having the Ragavan in play, and their development doesn't interrupt the Ragavan, and I'm, like, two turns ahead in most cases where I'm resolving my Thoughtseize. Yeah. We know which play that I made, because I said it on the podcast. I did, in fact, play the Ragavan in the dark on turn one of the tournament with a discard spell in my hand. <laughs> if I think about what I'm going to do with the Thoughtseize most of the time in the dark on turn one, I think about what the Ragavan's going to do most of the time in the dark on turn one. The Ragavan is more powerful, and it kind of leads into another philosophy of, like, like when you're playing a Delver deck in Legacy or whatever, in the dark, you should lead on your threat before you lead on your your interaction or disruption, like when you're playing with Thought Seizes or uh, Cabal Therapies and stuff, because you're trying to buy that time to, to, like, snowball your opponent, and each of the turns you're netting out of these tempo plays uh, in the games where you're playing like that you're getting more out of it by having a threat in play because you're actually moving the game to where you want it to be. Whereas if you just thought Seize in the dark and they're not playing something like Hammer Time or you know just anything that's going to play something on turn one that is so detrimental to you and you can't answer it, then Ragavan's very good. <laughs> Ragavan's like death rate shaman level good. If your opponent plays their own Ragavan, for example, like let's say they're Murktide, right? Like the example, I, if in this no companion example, I assume my opponent's playing... Uh, Amulet Titan or Merc Tide region until I see anything different. Could be Yawgmoth, I guess, is another deck, which would be a bad time to be lit on Ragavan, but even then, you want to save Thoughtseize to try and make sure you snag a Yawgmoth. Uh, Yawgmoth deck, not as good when it doesn't have Yawgmoth in play, believe it or not. When you play the Ragavan, if your opponent also develops a Ragavan, and let's assume you don't draw when your pushes, bolts, or heats, right? Trading your Ragavans and then Thoughtseizing away their follow-up threat does that sort of time thing. And since our opponent doesn't have a Lurus, which is the best grindy card of all time, just buying turns and working towards getting Lurus into your hand, which you know you always have, and taking their hand apart is really, really valuable. And so 
Ragavan gives me a chance to spaghetti them, sort of, just like turn one, like, hey, you have an unholy keep, that's cool. I'm gonna play a land tap, thought sees you, move on with my day, work towards this Luris. This Luris will buy back this Ragavan. Oh, you didn't have a thing where oh I drew an answer for your thing in the way? Okay. I'm up on mana. I'm up on cards. I poked a hole in your game plan. Okay, sure, you top deck an answer to Ragavan. Whatever. Expressive iteration, recoup, death shadow, go. Like, your deck does snowball on these sort of things really, really well. And getting that extra mana, even in one turn bursts, is super huge. So from, like, a big picture and, like, a specific example, I think I tend to lead on Ragavan, um, even if I opponent Mulligant or anything like that, too. Like... They'd have to be on, like, four cards for me, I think, to lead on Thoughtseize, personally. Like, if they were on They'll four still cards, have cards for Thoughtseize on turn two. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. If they had a Lurus, maybe I would take it because it'd be hammer time, but that's about it. I think I think that the, uh, the what what uh, Abe said, for what it's worth, was, like, really valuable in, like, looking at it kind of like how you were looking at Delver, like, Grexus Delver, like, Blue-Red Delver of the past. Is like, leading on your threats is, is pretty powerful. And, you know, it kind of leads into what I said earlier about this format feeling a lot more like legacy and a lot less like modern of old. Yeah. Efficiency matters so much. Your one mana, your one mana gets you a really long way. And so making sure you see install red's really good. Thank you for the question, Allison. That's going to do it for this week's episode. If you want to hear yourself ask the question on the show as well, we are doing the YouTube comment. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, answer the question, give you some, money over at oasis game so make sure to leave a comment on this youtube video here next week you'll be read just like the patreon questions that's where you get a question on the show even if you're not able to support the show directly in that sort of way you make sure out check out the rest of the network we have common knowledge a podcast proving about popper we have drafting archetypes of sam black a great way to improve at limited we have comic guy neon nice coming up pretty soon with a bunch of limited things you're probably going to check out that podcast and we have homeward path for the people on the grind of the family life if someone wanted to find you, Spencer, where could they go? They find me at Spencer13H, and they can find me at the He's a Game Media YouTube channel as well as the YouTube channel here. Find me at, on Twitter at MoreNothings, and my DMs are still open for Amber Coaching. I've got, I've got some time. I can, I can free it up for you. We can, we can bonk them together. You can learn all the ways. How about you, Mason? Uh, you can find me over on Twitter at Mason E. Clark. Find me on twitch.tv slash the Mason Clark. You can find me each and every week over at card kingdom right about all the formats now i've duped them i can talk about modern whenever i want now so we're doing another modern episode this week haha got them not just stuck in standard historic anymore baby i'm free of the shackles i can go where i please legacy's next nah not really <laughs> but thank you all so much <laughs> for listening to this week's episode i hope you enjoyed it we'll be back next week for another episode of constructed criticism